excited to have you here with us. I am joined again with one of my good friends and a wonderful, just a man, leader, husband, father, uh, just uh, somebody I truly admire and uh, look up to and thankful to have as a buddy. His name is Dustin McCain. And today what we're going to talk about is the characteristics of a leader. I think we all want to be a better leader. And, and somebody says, well, I'm not a leader. Well, yeah, if, if you're not leading anybody else, you're leading yourself. And then many of us are married. We're leading a family. We're, we're, we have children. We're leading children. Sure. Um, and some of us are in roles where we have direct reports or leading an organization or leading a church or those types of things. So what are the characteristics that you feel, Dustin, that a leader must have? If we're building a perfect leader, Sure. Uh, what are we giving him or her? Like, what are the things that are just simply must, non-negotiables? You know, Joel, I think number one is vision. Mm. A leader has to have vision, and that's where it has to start. And then he's got to believe in the vision. He's got to believe whatever it is that he's visualizing is possible. You know, where are you going to take your family? Where are you going to take the organization? He doesn't necessarily have to figure out how to get there. You know, if you got a big enough why, you'll figure out the how, right? Yes. So if you have a vision for where you want to take something or, or somebody or an organization and you know why you want to get them there, uh, you can certainly arrive. But the first thing for any leader, in my opinion, is you got to have a person, an individual with a very crystal clear vision of where they want to lead somebody to. I like that. So a lot of times when I'm teaching leadership to organizations, I just say leadership is simply this phrase, follow. If I'm having to force you, I'm not leading you. Yep. Follow me. If I'm not somebody that you can respect, you're not going to, to go there with me. Right. Here, yep. that's it. Follow yep. me here. Right. But the leader sees the here. You gotta see the here. Um, I, I And I have to believe it's a must. It, sure. it can't be like can't a good be a idea that's right. or I wish we would. It's like this must be like for the leader vision is that chief characteristic is I believe this must be if, I, if I'm leading a worship team like rehearsal must be better and here's how it can. Or maybe if I even don't know the how I see that it must change and I lead a conversation on, on how but I see that it must change. The, the greatest gift that God gave us, I heard um, a minister that I just love say this the other day. He said, the greatest gift God gave us is not sight, it is vision. Right. And if you want to be a leader, you have to see what could be and fight to make that the reality in a nation, in a family, or whatever it may be. So I, I agree 100%. Vision is a non-negotiable. Yeah, and the distinction you just made is so true. I say it all the time. We all get our must. We don't get our should. If you look at your own life, if there's anything that you're talking about where you're saying, I should do this or I should do that, I can promise you without a doubt it's not getting done. <laughs> and what I like to say is we all end up shooting all over ourselves, right? <laughs> you know, I should do this, I should do that. And, and you don't. But the minute you change that yes, should to, to a must, must, I, must. Uh, I can assure you it's going to get done. Let me ask this, and it's a little rabbit trail, but because I know there are things like that in my life. I sure. should eat healthier sure. or I should work out where I should, you know, read versus watch television sure. or whatever it would be. How do I get leverage on myself to make those shoulds a must? Yeah, it starts with the why. It starts with the why, in my opinion. I'll give you a story from when I was a kid, and I've, I've you know, I've, I've thought about it a million times since since then. Um, 
my dad was a smoker. My, my dad was born in 1952, so he probably started smoking around 1964, 65, something, you know, 12, 13 years old. They all did, right? And, uh, you know, when I was growing up, I remember my dad was a smoker. So he was a smoker. And uh, he always wanted to quit. He always knew he should quit, but he never would quit. It was a should. It was a should, absolutely. And then when I was about seven or eight years old, I was diagnosed with asthma. And guess what induced an asthma attack? Cigarette smoke. So my dad, the day he found out that cigarette smoke induced my asthma, what do you think he did? Mm. He quit smoking immediately. He had a different why, yes. right? He made a decision in that moment that this is bigger than that. And he never picked up another cigarette, you know, 70 years old today. He, had, he hadn't smoked since, but it changed his why changed, right? Yes. He was quitting for me. He had a different reason to quit. So when you talk about how do I get leverage over myself to do this or do that, what you've got to do is you've got to come up with a different why. Yes. Because it's obvious that the why is not big enough if you're currently still having trouble kind of getting power over yourself to, to get the motivation to quit whatever it is, you know, that, that you're dealing with. That's why you'll see folks go to the doctor and they'll they'll find out that they're you know they're they're fixing to be diabetic or they're just on the edge of becoming a diabetic and what do they do? They immediately have a different why, and they go pursue a better, healthier lifestyle. Yeah. Um, you know, it's in our moments of decision that our destiny is shaped. People think it takes so long to change. No, it doesn't. It takes a decision made with enough leverage to never do it again. Yeah, and I, I think for so many of us, I heard this story the other day. And um, a guy was out in San Diego and he's, he's had a lot of success in life. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a business coach and he was out walking along the beach and he saw this gentleman and his heart just kind of went out to him and he started talking to him and turns out this gentleman lived in his car. And he said, well, how long have you been living in your car? And he said, for eight years. It's like, for eight years you have lived in your car? He said, yes. He said, how did you get here? Like what happened in your life to get you in this place? He said, well, I lived out on the East Coast. He said, I, I came out here for a job. I got hired here and um, I left everything on the East Coast to come here, left family, friends, everything to, to come and get this job. When I came to get the job and to take it, they informed me that I not only didn't get the job, um, that they were laying off the whole division, that the, the company was going through a severe downsizing. So that job was no longer there, but also the division was gone. And so you thought, I don't have anything. Like I've moved all the way out here. I don't have a house. I don't have any of these things I can afford because I thought I'd be making this. And so he said, tonight I'll sleep in my car. Tonight I'll sleep in my car. Yeah. And then he said the next day, he's like, well, there's no point in me like getting rent somewhere or like finding a hotel or things like that. That wasn't so bad last night. And he said, I, I kind of liked, honestly, like the thought of like I could park my car wherever I wanted to. And just kind of go. And so he said, like, I did that. I did that for three days. And he said, I got a welfare check. And I saw, well, this is not enough for me to get a, you know, get a house or an apartment or things like that. This is enough for me only to live on. He's like, well, I can live in my car. Yeah. And so he slowly saw his, his standard of living just constantly diminish to this and to something that he thought was how it had to be. Yeah. And had accepted that as his reality for eight years. 
And we would look at that and be like, how could anybody think that? Like he could get a job or he could get an apartment. We do it all the time with the quality of our marriages. Absolutely. Uh, we have something happen. It sinks into that reality. Now we're just best friends yep. uh, and are, are maybe not even best friends. We're roommates. roommates. Yeah. And there's no passion. There's no adventure. There's no things because it just sunk to this level yeah. of, you know, here's how it is. And it's a slow fade or the same thing happens to people physically. Yeah. And I come into that place, and I know we're way off topic from the characters. <laughs> what are we talking about? Of a leader. But like fighting to come back to get that leverage sure. to be like, you know what? I am worth. Yep. I am worth more than this. And my and I think when you can get that, my family is worth more than this. My church is worth more than this. I am worth more than this. Yeah. And that fight to begin taking something to the next level, vision helps with that because what that gentleman needed was vision. Sure. What, what your dad saw in that moment is like, is a vision of, I can't have my child having a, a, a asthma attack right. every time I light up a cigarette. And then he yeah. saw a future where that was no longer an option. Sure. And out of seeing that he made the change. And so I think for each one of us, having that moment of disruption to see what could be absolutely, and to develop a strong conviction that it must be in my life because I am worth it. Sure. Um, and I can have it. So. And, and as we're talking about leadership and we're talking about vision, it's so important to do that with ourselves on a regular basis. You know, is what I'm doing right now going to get me to my ultimate destiny, whatever that may yes. look like? You know, and looking out five years into the future, if I continue to eat like this, Where does what is this going to look like five or 10 years from now? You know, if I continue not to work out, if I continue whatever, if I continue to scroll on Facebook and Instagram for three hours a day, where is that going to lead me five, 10 years from now? You know, what is the, what is, where's this ultimately taking me? Whatever the activity is. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think, you know, if you'll ask yourself that question and be honest, uh, it'll change behavior pretty quick because it's pretty strong leverage to see where you're headed, especially if it's in the wrong direction. Yeah. One of the things that I would say with vision that helps me do that and to get leverage on myself is I have journals that I look at mm -hmm. every morning. Yep. I wake up, I, I just, and it sounds corny, but it's the only way I know how to describe it. I wake up to God and goals. Mm -hmm. um, I wake up to the father and I get in his presence. And then I wake up to what I feel like he wants me to do with my sure. life and what that looks like for me, for my family, for my health, for my finances. And I have a vision. Here's where, by the, by the time I am blank age, yep. Here's where I will be financially. By the time I am blank age, here's where I will be physically. By the time I, by the end of the year, I will be able to, to, to run this in a yep. mile or whatever it may be. Yep. Uh, so leading constantly with those things yep. and then asking God for his grace to help me do that. And what I found through looking at that consistently, it one helps identify that I am worth it and I can do it. Yep. But secondly, it reminds me to make it a must. Yep. Uh, that like this is a promise I have made to myself and um, I've linked up with each one of those things of what it will do for others when I do. Yeah. Um, like for myself, uh, my, my father, my grandfather, my uncle all died young of heart disease. Just the other day, I was going to go see my grandmother. She, yesterday, she's 90 years old. I was going to take her groceries. I get all her groceries. And so I'm going over there to, to get her groceries. I'm thinking about what I was going to eat. I just had this image of like riding with my grandfather when I was like three years old and, and he was in his truck and he would always eat like the, the red sausages. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely health conscious. <laughs> you know, out of that. 
And I thought, you know, really success in that area of health is just doing the exact opposite yeah. of what the generations before me did. Yeah. And having a vision of like what my father missed out, what my uncle missed out, what my grandfather missed out in my life and in my kids and immediately leverage begins to come of, of what I'm going to eat and what I'm going to put in my body because of vision. Yeah. And it's, it's that way with everything, finances, marriage, uh, you know, health, we need strong vision if we're going to lead ourselves well. You know, I've heard you mention it before. We tend to overestimate what we can get done in a year and underestimate what we can get done in five. And, and when you've got that vision for where you're headed five years from now, you've got to think through the process of how you're going to get there. Um, but like in business, I never do a yearly plan for my team as much as I do a quarterly plan for my mm. team. Because again, the little hinges swing big doors, you know, success is a journey and it's the things we do every day um, that really take us to where, where we want to be. So it's important to do those daily disciplines that you were talking about because they're going to multiply yeah. and ultimately get you to your destination. And, and I would say we could make that the second characteristic of a leader. And, and I see this when I'm trying to develop leaders. Mm -hmm. I have to give you this. If I don't give you this, I'll never turn you into a leader. And that's strategic thinking. Sure. Of, and it's hard for me yeah. because I've been a leader for so long. Of, we need to be here and here's how we'll get yeah. there. Climb the mountain. Yeah. yeah. And, and so follow me here. Right. But when I'm trying to make you a leader, if mm -hmm. I do all the strategic thinking for you, you will never turn into a leader and right. I will always be a crutch for you. So a leader has to see here's where we need to go. Yep. Here's where the family needs to go. My health needs to go. The company that needs. But and here's how we're going to get there. Right. How do I get good at strategic thinking? And and you know some of it is experience, sure. but like I don't I don't want to wait around to fail for twenty years. How do I get good strategic thinking? I think you've got to learn to ask really good questions. As a leader, you have to ask your team very good questions to get them to think strategically. But then, as the understudy, you've got to learn how to ask those questions of yourself. Mm. Um, and, and I think it's so important. You know, you, you ask better questions, you get better answers, right? Yeah. And Again, first, you got to understand where you're headed and then comes the how. How am I going to get there? And, you know, we live in a world where the how is not hard to find. I say it all the time. I believe people know the right thing to do. But even if we don't know the right thing to do, we normally have a gadget in the palm of our hand that can get any answer we yes. want instantly. But we've got to be willing to ask the question. I can promise you, if you've got a question, there's an answer out there. You might have to read a book. You might have to go to a seminar. You might have to seek the answer out. But nine, nine times out of 10, you can find the answer. But you're never going to know the answer you're looking for if you don't have good questions. Yes. So you've got to learn to ask good questions. And I think you do that through good leaders. Yes. I think your leaders will challenge you by asking you questions. And ultimately, you'll turn those questions into your own. Um, but that's how you get to the completion of the vision is to ask the question, the how, the how questions. Again, if you if you understand the why, the how will come, but not until you ask the right questions. Yeah, I love that. And I think one of the questions that I ask is when when I'm I'm leading with the vision mm -hmm. of I, I have a dream of like uh, where I want this church to go. Mm -hmm. And it's it's not where we are. I live in the vision. Sure. Like, and to me, if the, 
if the future is not more important than the present, you'll never disrupt the present to get to the future. So I live in the future and a lot of people don't like that because it means I'm constantly disrupting the pressure sure. uh, and raising, raising, raising standards and, exactly and coming right. here because it's like, I'm not trying to keep this. That's right. This is as worse as it'll ever be, which means we've, right. we've got to raise those standards. But whenever I'm trying to develop strategic thinking to hit those levels, one of the questions I like to ask is how did they do it? Mm -hmm. Because I believe success leaves clues. Always. And I also believe that when our brain can see other people that we link up who are like us reach those levels, yeah. uh, it helps our brain see it is possible. Four minute mile. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you who aren't familiar, Roger Bannister had it, you know, they said it's physically impossible Never to run a four it. minute mile. Yeah. He ran it under, what it, he ran a four minute mile, like 3.98, something like yeah. that. And what, 65 days later or 48 somebody days later? Yeah, somebody yeah, and else. And then somebody did. else. Yeah, and yeah. over and over and over again yeah. because it's like, okay, if they can break that barrier and I look at them and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm just as good in shape as them. Like, how could I do it? I could do that too. So even like in concerning faith, like I've got a, a, um, a pastor who was healed. And out of that, he was reading an example of the woman with the issue of blood. Sure. And when he's reading her example, strategic yeah, thinking, example. wait a minute, if her faith made her whole, my faith can make me whole. Absolutely. And immediately he saw a how to get his vision, which was wholeness of walking out of the house. So I think uh, when I'm trying to take something somewhere, mm -hmm. if I'm uh, a church trying to hit a certain level, let me go see a church that hit that level and ask how, yep. how did you do that? If I'm at a company, and I want to get uh, this to cells that are double of what we have now. Let me go find somebody who doubled their cells or let me go find somebody at that level and ask how, how did you get there? And through asking right questions, we'll, we'll get a, an effective strategy that is doable, knowing if they did it, we can do it too. Yeah. You know, it goes back to, to what I said originally, you know, first of all, you got to have a vision. Second of all, you got to believe it's possible. You know, whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right. And if the leader doesn't believe it, I can assure you there's nobody that follows them that, that, that's going to believe it. You have to know where you're going and you have to absolutely believe with every fiber of your being that you can get there. Whether it's healing in your body or whether it's taking an organization to the next level or whether it's, you know, uh, your, your relationships and your marriage and, and where you want to take that. You have to believe it's possible because the minute you decide that it's not possible, I can assure you it's never going to happen. Mm. So vision, strategic thinking, let's do one more for okay. building a leader. And then we'll come back and we'll do a, another lesson, just kind of round it out. Sure. But what other things, like I have to see how to get there. I have to have strategic thinking in order to, to take it there. What else does a leader need? You need to embrace the grace. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and what I mean by that is we've all, and I'm not trying to get over, overly religious here, but we've all been given gifts and talents. And you have to embrace the gifts and talents of your team and you have to embrace your own gifts and talents. You know, if you're, if you're five foot one and you decide you want to be a star basketball player, you're probably not going to be there. Bugsy Bogues. It, well, <laughs> there you go. Thanks. But you could be a great job. He's taller than five one, yeah. I think. I spud <laughs> Webb. Yeah. Always get that with that example. Thanks. Thanks brother. Uh, but no, seriously, like you have to, to embrace the grace that you have on yes. your life and then also the grace that your employees have on theirs. Yes. And the other thing you can't be do is to hire a whole lot of people smarter than you are. 
Yeah. You know, I see so many people, so many leaders fail because they're scared to death that they hire somebody uh, sharper than they are, that that person's going to make them look bad. I can promise you I've got a team full of people surrounding me that are a heck of a lot smarter than I am in certain areas and, and, and all areas. You know, I'm constantly trying to find people that, hey, they're better than me. Yeah. You know, they're graced in a different area that I don't have. You know, they, they you know, see things that I don't see. And and I give them, I empower them to do what it is they do. But you got to get the right person on the right seat in the bus. So knowing who you are and knowing who you're not, like sure. the first rule, know yourself. Right. And then hiring for who you're Absolutely. not. Absolutely. Like, and for who you need. Yeah, for who you need yeah. to kind of take there. And and I see that a lot of, and so I, I don't know if we would say that that characteristic is just humility or, you know, that kind of thing of like knowing who you are. Right. But I see so many people who struggle leading sure. their teams or struggle leading things uh, themselves because they're not embracing that grace sure. and they don't have the humility to lay down their pride and just say, I am not good at that. Sure. Uh, like, and, that's, and that's okay. <laughs> that's like exactly I don't right. have to be good at that's that. That's right. Um, I can come and I can find people who um, I need on the team and invite them there uh, on that. So I think walking in that humility mm -hmm. and, and building that out. And, and one that, that I'll, I'll end with is just that character. Right. And I think when we're building a leader, a leader has to have strong character because it is the foundation upon which all these things are built. And we see it in business, we see it in politics, we see it in churches, we see it in families, that if that character is shaken and that character is not there, it makes the Everything whole else thing crumbles. crumble, whether it's Samson or whether it's David, it, it just invites chaos into all of our lives. Uh, and so I've got to maintain strong character. And well, let's, let's pick up from there on our next session and talk about sure. what that looks like for us and how we go about doing that. Sounds so, good. Thank you for watching, tuning in, listening to it. We'll see you next time.